Welcome in. My name's Aaron Griffin. This is episode 87 of the Get After It podcast. It is Thursday, November 12th, 2020. Let's get after it. This is the Get After It podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast, it's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. Just to get started here. All right, welcome in here to the Get After Podcast. I am freaking stoked for our guest today. I'm joined by Herut Markarian, and I am stoked because uh, we were just jamming and catching up a little bit beforehand. We had a chance to connect because uh, Herut just published his first book. And he's going to talk about he's uh, he's an incredibly accomplished man, immigrated to the United States at 24, a former professional basketball player in Lebanon. Um, and, and now he's actually he's so experienced in the aerospace industry through robotics. He's actually moving into his own niche, starting his own business and consultancy. I, I'm stoked for this episode. And for me, the value I saw for you as a listener is how do we really look at someone who has all this experience, all this expertise? And now they're transitioning into doing it on their own, which is a huge challenge for all of us. And I think so much, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of listeners to this podcast, especially those of you who are maybe at school, want to go and start your own thing uh, eventually and where we're going to be at. We're going to hear everything from Harut. So I'm going to bring him in right now. So stoked for you to jam with us here today. Thanks so much for volunteering your time for the Get After podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So, so I want to get started here. With the most important question by far, you just mentioned to me that you were a former professional athlete playing basketball, my guy. So, so tell me about your time playing basketball. What was your position? How long did you play? Uh, I played about eight years, and uh, I, my position was a point guard. I'm not that tall. I'm six one. So, uh, okay. Um, yeah, but uh, in terms of uh, you know experience it was an amazing experience like i i still live it in my subconscious yeah. from time to time you know it just never dies so you uh, were you following the nba uh, finals in the in the bubble actually oh it's it's funny uh i used to be a basketball player it's like oh, what do you think about the nba i'm like you know i, I don't care i don't care now i'm, I'm a different place in my uh in, in my career, in my life, that uh, I, I really don't see w- me watching basketball adding value to my life, you know? Mm. So I, mm. I pick and choose. I, yeah, do I, do I like to go play with my friends? Yes, I would enjoy playing more than sitting and watching. Right, that's, that's right. That's my take on it. I love it. And once so you have want- played it professionally, once you have played it professionally, it, it'll have a different... Uh, a different feel to watch other people play i'm not and i'm not saying that i was you know as good as the players in the nba or you know or even close to it but uh you know it just you know i had my time and that was great for me and it's it's in the past you know no i love that you know um so you just published your your first book mobility and inclusion an accessible world is an inclusive world let's make life accessible for all. I want to ask you, can you give us, uh, give our, uh, give our, I almost said give our readers, my goodness, give our listeners um, a little bit of a reader's digest on yourself and your story and getting up to this point and, uh, and hopefully maybe cap off that story. I'd love to hear a little bit about the book. Sure. Um, 
So I talk about uh, my experience, you know, coming into this world uh, in the introduction of the book. And I say, you know, during my, for me, school was, you know, I was going to get a degree. Basketball was my biggest passion. After that, you know, I felt like that I had nothing else to vibe with in my life. You know, nothing really ma made sense to me until my last year of undergrad when I got introduced to my advisor who passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, Dr. C.T. Lin, he introduced me to the world of robotics. And, uh, you know, I loved it. And at the time, his, uh, his grad students were working on uh, uh, brain activated wheelchairs, right? Motorized wheelchairs. So I got really interested in the project. So I decided that's how I decided to do my master's. And uh, when I decided to do my master's, I'm like, you know what? doing something cool and helping people at the same time, you know, seems like a passion that I, it, it's, it's kind of like resonating with me, right? So uh, that's when I kind of like forgot about my passionless self and I found a new passion, which was robotics and helping people. How, how do I combi combine these two? You know, a lot of people think about robotic when you say robotics, oh, you're going to take jobs away from people and stuff like that. But uh, it's, it's, you know, if, if you do it right, and if you think about the person first, you know, you can't go wrong. Uh, robotics is there to help people achieve, achieve more, especially people with disabilities. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly successful guy in the aerospace industry, but, you know, that, for me, that was not uh, fulfilling. You know, it, was, it wasn't filling my inside. So that's why I'm I'm after doing my own my my own thing with the with the, with the community of people with disabilities and my you know uh, robotics background, I'm trying to combine these two and you know give accessibility, give a more affordable assistive technology, uh, maybe an innovative way of improving the people with disabilities independence uh, in in their daily daily lives. So this is what the, the stuff that I talk about uh, in the book. And uh, I, I also talk about how universal design is not, uh, needs to be more implemented, if you will. Universal design is, is a concept um, that in short, basically very simple technology that can be used by everyone without customization. Mm. You know? So this is, this is lacking in the world. Inclusion is lacking in the world. And when I talk about inclusion, people usually go towards race, uh, gender, stuff like mm -hmm. that, you know? They, they completely forget about the, the community of people with disabilities, which are, you know, as capable as all the others, but no one's talking about them. And they're often disregarded, you know? So this book tries to bring that awareness to the surface and uh you know making a world a more accessible place and i love this because you're co-launching with your book you're you've been you're in the process of really building up your your first company mm -hmm. uh, markarian robotics correct i want i want to i want to come back to that um and talk a little bit about your route getting here um, you immigrate to the United States. You're 24. I'm assuming this is after your career in, in professional. That, that'd be wild if it was before your career. That'd be a really wild story. Obviously, it's after after <laughs> yeah, that. After. Uh, 
tell me, tell me a little bit about, because you mentioned you go, you, you, you get back into school. How did you determine aerospace and what was the, what was the biggest cultural difference? How did you, how did you focus to start really going in all, all in on one career and starting to find success? You mentioned that you found success in that industry. I mm-hmm. want to hear a little bit about how you got into it and how you really, I'm, I'm imagining somebody today who I feel like one of the things as Americans is that my, my, my buddy wrote a book. It's um, you may know him. He's part of the self-publishing team. Pedro, I, I wish everyone was an immigrant because of the, oh. the, the, the mentality of an immigrant mindset and how that applies to business so well. I want to ask you specifically for yourself, like, how did you get, how did you determine aerospace? Cause that's like, I imagine that's not like a, uh, a very, a very small, uh, you know, certification into by any means, that's a real passion. You've worked so hard to, to build up your uh, authority in that space. How did you jump into it? What was your, what was your experience like immigrating to this country? And what was a little, tell us a little bit about that story if we could. So uh, I'll start by immigrating. So immigration was not my, my option, right? So we immigrated with, with my family. And when, uh, when this, this came on the table, you know, at a family dinner one day, and I was dead against it, you know. But then, you know, when my when my dad, every time my dad told me something, the guy was always right. I hate to admit it, but he was always right, you know. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, at 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 the end, I knew this was better for me. Not necessarily better for my dad. He was, or my mom, for that matter. He was actually. They were actually doing that for me and my sisters, right? So I just bite the bullet, you know, and go with it. I was unhappy for the first year. Um, I played a lot of basketball the first year I was here. So, you know, it kind of kept me here that, that that first year that I came. So then after basketball was gone out of my life, all I did, all every focus I had was on my studies. Before then, my studies was secondary, maybe even tertiary, you know, not even secondary. So it was like a back wagon, didn't really pay attention to it. But when basketball was out of the way, my studies, you know, I just focused on them and I was really serious. I wanted to get good grades. I wanted to not only get good grades, but really understand what I was doing because I really loved it. You know, it's a a lot of people go to school and take that paper. And that was that was me in the beginning. You know, that was me. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to school because my parents think that this is a good idea. So I guess I have to do it. You know, that was my mentality. But when When I started getting into the meat of the engineering world, I really enjoyed it. So I, I was a good student and, you know, I got a good, I had a good relationship with the mostly old professors, but two in particular. And when you asked me about how I decided to go into aerospace, I didn't decide to go into aerospace. That, that came to me, really. Because I was a good student, because, because, good student, because I, was, I had good relationship with a few of my professors, one day, one of them came and said, hey, there's this opportunity at this company, you know, as a manufacturing engineer, are you interested? And at the time, you know, we were just immig- uh, immigrants and I needed the money no matter what. So I was going to say yes. Right. So when he offered me this opportunity, you know, it was it was great for me because it's in the field that I'm studying and I am looking for a job. So there you go. That's how I started in aerospace. And but I was I was the type that, you know, I get bored quickly right so if if you give me the same task to do for six seven months like you lost me already i need fast pace you know i need i need to be challenged all the time 
And I can't, I can't keep on doing the same thing over and over again. Unfortunately, some, you know, in the aerospace field and in general, in any field, usually people go into one thing, you know, and they stay there for like years and years. In my experience, that's what I saw, right? And I didn't want to be there. I knew day one, I did not want to be that person. So when that opportunity came to me, I did everything in my power to learn and move on, learn and move on, you know? And my integrity, my, uh, my honesty, uh, the people, the trust that the people put into me, you know, that's what kept me going. I wasn't a smart guy. I was, I was just a regular guy. You know, I had good grades, yes, because I worked hard to get those grades. You know, I understood what I was doing. I didn't just study for the sake of getting good grades. I actually wanted to learn the process, wanted to learn the engineering behind things, right? So um, I, went, I went to work. I started my first, my first position as a manufacturing engineer and I learned as quickly as possible. I gained the trust of my supervisors, my managers, and I kept moving up. And today I'm here, I'm, uh, I went from manufacturing engineer to design engineer, to flight controls engineer, to a new product development manager. Uh, so testing aftermarket. So I did it all in these, you know, 12 to 15 years time period. Uh, so when I introduce myself now, I don't say that I'm a mechanical engineer. I say that I'm a multidimensional engineer because I have a working understanding of mechanical, electrical, and software, you know? So on top of that, I, I got my business degree, my MBA from Pepperdine University because I wanted to complete this, uh, you know, um, how, how should I say it? Complete my knowledge, right? If you have all this stuff, all the engineering, but you don't know how to do business, you're not going to go anywhere, right? Can, can, can I, do you mind if I ask you something on that? I, uh, one, of the, one of the top guys I've ever coached, and he's crushing it. He's overseeing a business right now. They just did 1.9 million this last year. They're, they're absolutely killing it. And when he was working under me, and I was working with him in, a, I guess, a mentee, mentee role, uh, he, he was an engineer, and, and he has that engineer brain. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you, what was that experience like going to Pepperdine and working on your MBA? Was it, was it like the best thing in the world? Was it really challenging? What were your, what was your experience getting your MBA? Uh, it was, my experience was phenomenal at uh, Pepperdine. I was actually talking about this uh, with one of my uh, friends who was also in the program with me. And this was an executive program. So we were 16, right? And we, went, we were a cohort of 16 people and just went through two years together. It was challenging. Yes, it was, of course, challenging, you know. But in terms of practicality, in terms of experience, it was just, I, I couldn't be happier. Because I'm, and I'm just curious because I know how that, that engineer brain, when it comes to adjusting and working in a business sense what was has there been uh, as you as you transition here i know you i cut you off a little bit and just to, i want to i want to bring it back and really bring come back to this inspiration of not only publishing this book but going off on your own and doing something entirely different so let's go back into that if we could okay yeah sure um so as i said you know i love i love my job i love what i do but it's not filling my inside basically it's not you know, it's not resonating with me in terms of being an aerospace engineer. You know, I work on cool stuff. Yes, I do. But at the same time, you know, I want to help people, right? 
And the only way I'm going to help people that I, uh, you know, that I know of so far is if go on my own and focus on this uh, uh, Markarian Robotics Company and this community of people with disabilities. And you know, how, how can I link these two, right? And help provide more independence and more, uh, you know, um, free state of living to people with disabilities. Clearly, I, I, I never thought that I would be in this position, but uh, you know, I am now and I am not doing it alone. I, I wanna say I do have two very good advisors from the community of people with disabilities because I don't wanna be perceived as someone uh, dictating what should be done. You know, I want to get the feedback from the people who are, who are actually going through these certain challenges and then maybe provide solutions to them or anticipate the challenges and provide solutions to them, right? Provide value. Uh, at the end of the day, I've, so Markian Robotics has been around for the past year and a half. That's it. And obviously the past year, it's been, you know, chaotic. But if I, if I think back, I think 2020 for me was pretty good in terms of, you know, I got, I had more time, you know, doing research. I got more time meeting people. I got more time creating a podcast, which is also called Mobility and Inclusion, by the way, that uh, I interview people with disabilities, right? And talk about their challenges, how they overcome them. Because at the end of the day, um, what I want everyone to know, whether you're someone with a disability or not, whether you're, you want to be your own boss or not, everything is about mindset right? Everything is about mindset. Everything is about your beliefs. And if you have the right beliefs, you will get where you want, where you want to get, right? So that's why, that's why I started the podcast as well, because I wanted these people with disabilities to come, to come to my audience and talk about their challenges and how they overcame them. And I got, and I, a couple of them, actually, a couple of my interviews are directly quoted and their story there's there's an ex-navy who was um tossed off a cliff in san diego you know she broke c1 c2 through c7 i think something like that c1 through c5 in her neck she was completely paralyzed and she now she's actually walking again right so her, her story is in the book um the other one who's a who's actually an award-winning actress and who's also one of my uh, close friends and advisors, my mentors, actually, one of my mentors, actually. Her name is Eileen Gruba. Uh, I bounce ideas off of her all the time, you know? And uh, so I this just goes to say that, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it alone. And I do have a business partner who's uh, also a, a law enforcement officer, actually who when I approached him with my idea and my, my vision, he said, yes, I will do it. You know, I didn't offer him, I didn't offer him money. I didn't offer him shares in the company, you know, but just because the, he's, I think, I guess he saw my passion and he believed in my vision, you know, that he jumped on with me. I love it. What has been the biggest challenge for you as a as an individual as you as a as a human being as you make it it's a it's a large transition transition in your life going into working for yourself in that manner 
what was the, what was the biggest challenge? Yeah. The biggest challenge, uh, I mean, you know, challenges are all over the place, but you know, that, that I don't let that determine my path. Uh, Dan Penny, I don't know if you know him. I used to follow him a lot. Uh, he's a, a personal development coach. Um, and he says something, uh, he says this quote every time, success leaves leave clues, right? So, you know, you have to get your mentors in line. You have to uh, get in touch with people. Uh, my challenge so far has been uh, capital, right? Uh, the capital, but, you know, it's, it's not a challenge. I, everybody will have this challenge, you know? And for me, I didn't, when I started this entrepreneurial uh, path, yeah, I had the technical knowledge. Maybe I had the business knowledge, but I didn't know where to get, where to, how to access money. So that was the challenge for me, like the research that I did to know where to access the money, you know, how to uh, pitch an idea to an investor, how to pitch an idea to a potential client. Those were the challenges because I never had experience in it. And anybody starting a, a new venture, an entrepreneurial, uh, who has an entrepreneurial spirit, need to learn this stuff, need to learn how to access money, need to learn because... I don't think anybody like you and your audience are mainly younger, right? 27 and uh, younger, you said, you told me, right? So I, unless, unless their families are, are wealthy and they're helping them with the costs, I highly doubt that they have that capital to invest in their business. So you need to learn. And this, this country as a whole, the United States, so far has been the, you know, uh, the place to start companies because you have all the means necessary to access funds if you have the right attitude, right business approach, right product. That can be a physical product, that can be a service product, it doesn't matter, right? But uh, I would say that that was my challenge and that's gonna be everybody's challenge. As an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur you're, you're always gonna have challenge. How to access the money, the funds to make your vision come true. I, I, I'm, I'm actually curious to dig even deeper on your company now with what was their decision to go actually maybe take us into the vision of where you see this going because I was going to ask specifically um, why not go the nonprofit route if we want if the really if you're if it's really passionate about the cause on that end but I know there's probably a really strong vision behind this and you mentioned you actually just you alluded to it with your business partner would you mind actually just kind of going in where do you want this to go and if you can, you, 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 if you would like to just hit on briefly why you went in terms of establishing an LLC or a company rather than going the nonprofit route. Yeah, well, my business partner actually has a nonprofit for um, who's he serves mostly uh, wounded veterans and veterans who can't get, I think, uh, who have difficulties in, uh, you know, getting a job or something. So he helps them like that. Um, and in terms of people with disabilities, um, I, so the podcast, I guess the podcast could be a nonprofit part of my venture, but my ultimate vision is to establish a, you know, the biggest robotics company helping people with disabilities around the world, right? Uh, so that's my, that's my vision. That's my ultimate goal. Uh, and I don't want that, um, I don't want my vision to be something that people cannot access, right? Uh, by that, I mean, a lot of robotic products right now, if you try to 
get or purchase, it costs as much as a car, like 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, right? And a lot of these people with disabilities are having a lot of a hard time, uh, you know, purchasing this product. And a lot of time, insurance don't cover this, right? So I said, I will find a way to offer products that are cheaper and that these people can, can access or can purchase, right? Because we're not talking about luxuries here. These are, in my opinion, necessities that people with disabilities need to be more independent in their daily lives. So to answer your question, why I didn't go the nonprofit route, I never had nonprofit in my mind. I just established an S corporation and, you know, moved, moved ahead with it. And, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, there are a lot of nonprofits out there, especially for people with disabilities. Um, and I, I think they're doing a great job. I just don't see myself, you know, going that route. I really love this. I'm having, I'm having a blast with this. So I really appreciate your time again with us. I, uh, I want to go into, I'm a, I'm a nut when it comes down to this business aspect of it. I want, I want to ask you, uh, for you, how is your, um, you, you mentioned you have, uh, well, actually you haven't mentioned, I, I, you, you have a business partner. Do you have a team yet? Is there anybody on your team? Do you see yourself kind of scaling? Where's your, where is your biggest, I guess, what are, what are the things that you do to really generate revenue? And what I mean by asking that, how do you have this awesome podcast and this book? Where does that lead to? How do you see that scaling impact in the world and kind of where you're going? Yeah. So, so the book was, I think, uh, important for me because, as I said, I don't, I don't want to be perceived as someone like an able-bodied, right, uh, dictating how things should be to this community of people with disabilities. Uh, that's why my advisors are or mentors are, you know from the community of people with disabilities, people like Vince Stasco and Eileen Gruber. I'm always in contact with them, always, you know, bouncing ideas off of them, always asking them whether my terminologies are correct while talking, you know, because there are these uh, uh, like keywords, if you will, that triggers uh, people with disabilities, right? So you can, get, you can say something, you don't mean it, and it can, get, it can be understood in, in the wrong way. Right, so I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be perceived as an able body dictating to the people with disabilities. So um, I always look for Eileen and Vince's advice uh, when I'm you know, doing my podcast, when I'm putting something online. Uh, in terms of scaling, so the book is uh, step one. So far it's been, um, it's been you know, building the infrastructure of the company basically you know, in terms of uh, establishing the S corporation, um, you know, going to trade shows, going to uh, expositions. And unfortunately, while I was doing that to, and I was doing a market research to figure out what type of product I'm gonna go to market with, uh, the pandemic happened. So I had to shift my focus a little bit to go into the book route and then the podcast and ultimately the, uh, uh, Consulting. So in my research, I found that a lot of companies, and in the book I mentioned this too, a lot of corporations talk about being inclusive, but no one really, the percentage of companies that hire people with disabilities are very minimal, right? Like 3%, let's say, or 6% mention it, 3% actually hire people with disabilities. 
So I want to, right now, my goal is to help consult, uh, consult uh, corporations and, you know, big companies to be more inclusive in terms of what do you need to do to, to offer this position or to have, you know, we talk about equal employment. So what does equal employment mean? Equal employment doesn't mean just gender and race, right? There are people with disabilities that often are disregarded. So that's what I'm trying to introduce to corporations. And that's going to be where I'm going to, uh, I would like to scale that business, the consulting business. And the book helps kind of like establish an authority for me uh, in terms of knowing the uh, community of people with disabilities, knowing the audience, uh, knowing what they want, uh, knowing how I can serve them and knowing how I can introduce them to the corporations, right? So that's how I plan on scaling right now. You seem to be really hitting a, a remarkable time too with the, the realization of less location-driven business and opportunities, right? And, and this is something I think uh, American companies led the way on, but really global companies have with this pandemic and moving to Zoom and eliminating a lot of unnecessary travel and a lot of things. So I'm just thinking immediately off the top of my head, you know, physical disabilities, at least in the slightest, are going to be almost un, almost irrelevant in a lot of ways that people could make an impact, right? And and that's why I'm I'm really excited about where you're headed with that. I want to ask you for 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 businesses, what's the biggest challenge with? I guess what's the biggest mis misconception somebody has who's operating a business? And because I'm thinking from a small business standpoint. You wouldn't want to make the 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 idea would be you wouldn't want to make an investment or you wouldn't want to uh, invest your time and energy into somebody who's disabled because there's so many disadvantages with the fact that it's a different situ situation than somebody who is fully able if you want to do whatever x y and z i want you to just take us into this what are some of the things that and what i was thinking was as a large company maybe the hiring manager doesn't want to be the person who hires somebody with a disability because there's a stigma attached to it where yeah. now you have to do different training what are some of the actions that we're going to see because I, I think the reality is you're going to find success with this consulting and i'm stoked and I, I invite you back on the podcast in the next year to have you back on and share some of this with us because i'm really excited for where you're going with this where is this going to go let's take it five years out what are some of the adjustments you're going to see made in corporate America, and really just in business in general, with how we approach disabilities, how we set them up for set those people up to be able to build as much of an impact in a company as somebody who's able-bodied. Yeah. So, um, in terms of adjustments, not a lot of adjustment is needed. The people—that's that's the misconception that people have. You know, as soon as they think about people with disabilities, they think, "Oh, they can't work. They can't do this job." like wait let's 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 hold on you know what is the job let's think about what is the job what is the the person's limitations so-called limitations right and let's see whether we can accommodate you know or remove the barriers that will allow this person perform that task right it's like it, uh, there's no one size fit fit all and like in anything, right? Not one size fit all. There's not no such thing. So you have to take it on an individual basis. And I actually did a lead magnet on my uh, on my uh, book, right? That if you sign up, I'll send you a video talking about, you know, how to be more inclusive. Seven steps to becoming more inclusive in your workplace. 
So uh, if you if you uh, sign up, you can have that uh, video. Uh, and in there, there are you know law wise, you know when you look at corporations and cor corporate law, everything is put in place in terms of being an equal opportunity company serving or, or hiring people with disabilities. But as I said, very small percentage of corporations actually do it. That's why in my subtitle, I say it's time to act, you know, because all the paperwork is done. You know, we don't need additional paperwork. We need people to actually implement the law, right? And there are actually tax benefits, tax deductions from hiring people with disabilities. You know, maybe a lot of corporations are not aware of that, right? So, um, what are the? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, continue. No, when I when I when I talk to uh, people, when I talk to hiring managers, uh, the misconception is directly, oh, this job is not for a person with a disability, or oh, we're located at the second floor right? How are they going to, you know, go up and down and stuff like that? Things like things of that sort. Like, okay, these are really easy stuff to solve, you know? So we need to, I think the biggest barrier is our mindset, is our mindset and the perception that we have towards people with disabilities. And I, I guess that's where, where we come in, in terms of, you know, kind of, kind of like, um, removing the uh, the dust from our 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 perception and letting letting uh, you know providing a place in our mind to be you know more wide angled more open to new ideas or new way of doing things i uh i i, I want i i had another question but now i have a different question i want to go to somewhere else with you I'm curious, what would your response be to someone who, because I'm sure, I'm sure you will get it on sales calls and working with uh, people to, to potentially do consulting. What do you say to someone who says, um, you know, Harut, I, I, I love what you're doing, but the reality is we've already got raised within profits where we're at. I, I just don't see the benefit of, you know, spending money on consulting. And so as I don't see it as a problem for us. I don't see the, I, I just don't think it's worth it to invest in the disabled because the reality, or not even the disabled, you can see where I'm coming from, right? Where it's like, you know, yeah, what, yeah, why, yeah. why does it matter? Why do we have to do this? So what, what's your response to that? Well, A, you have to do it, first of all. I mean, first of all, it's because, you know, there's no reason for you not to be diverse and disability is just diversity we, we we should be and we should be clear it is it is quite literally illegal to not hire somebody because they are disabled if they are able to do the job right so of i so I, I should get that, that out of the second way. I, yeah. right i should get that out of the way i guess my main yeah. point would be why should i hire you as a consultant i already know if i can get this so like what what is the spe what is the specific thing on that aspect sorry Terry, just just to yeah. clarify yes yeah no absolutely well a is the law as you said right and and b um, it actually, uh, a lot of research that, you know, I, I read and I did while writing this book, talk about how it makes a great business sense to hire people with disabilities. What people don't realize is, um, you know, disability is not something that is acquired during birth. Only, I think, uh, I forgot which uh, article mentioned this, but uh, it was a British article that said, in the world, 
only 17% of disabilities are acquired at birth. The rest, the majority of it, comes at some point later in your life, right? So disability is acquired from an accident, car accident, from, I don't know, genetic something that appears, you know, later in your life, right? So a lot of people, including you and I, are, can, can be that person at one point, right? If we don't make our world more inclusive, and by our world, I mean our environment, our corporations, right? Let's say, let's say I became disabled, right? But I'm fully capable of, of working. And we're living in, a, in an information age right now. We're, not, we're no longer in the industrial age that we need to carry stuff around and, you know, everything is online, everything is software driven, right? All the design is done online, all the design is done on computers, right? What's the reason for not, you know, for not hiring people with disabilities? Even if you made your numbers, you mentioned something like people will, will tell me, oh, I made the, the quarter's numbers or the year's numbers, our numbers look good, you know, I don't see the benefit of hiring people with disabilities. Well, the benefit is you're going to get tax breaks, which you weren't, you, you weren't going to get if you didn't hire people, person with disability, right? That will be one benefit, but that should, it, it shouldn't stop there. The benefit shouldn't be because you, you shouldn't hire a person with disability because you're going to get a tax break. You should hire a person, whether it's disabled, someone with a disability or not, you should hire him for his or her um, capabilities, right? Is that person adding a value to your company, right? Open it up. You have a job description, right? Let that job description be accessible for people with disabilities, right? Uh, let's say you open something. Let's say uh, I have, uh, you know, I have... Uh, uh, weak motor skills and I can't click on small links on the computer, right? Right. So make your job description as such, your, your website as such that people who have low motor skills can still understand and click on the links to apply for the job if they think that it's a fit for them. And I'm not saying you should hire a person with disability or you should treat people with disability differently. No. I'm telling them, give them the, the, the same exact approach as you would give to some able-bodied person. And then at the, later determine that, okay, which one is better suited for this position? Is it the person with disability or the person without the disability? You know, make a decision based on that, based on the value that the person is gonna bring to your company, not based on his physical appearance, not based on his, you know, physical capabilities, you know? Of course, I'm not saying if you're a, uh, I don't know, if you're someone who carries stone from one place to the other and that's, you, you require someone, I'm not saying to go and hire someone on a wheelchair, right? But, uh, you know, in corporations and in uh, desk jobs, you know, we need, you know, it's just, just make great business sense. Well, you know, I'm realizing too, and this is, I would, I would hope most of our audiences, and by the way, for our audience, how how cool is this to, to hear your passion behind this? You know, I just 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 wanted to highlight that. I know that's I know that's great for anyone in our audience when we get into this. And I uh, I think about how how uh, and I'm sure you've had this realization how ignorant we all are of the blessing we have of being able-bodied. And oh, yes. and I can also think of just uh, I love what you highlighted. It's like you're not hiring somebody for the tax benefit. Of course, it's there. 
and and I and I imagine you know with with someone who has a disability, and I I imagine we already in our own lives people who are fully able-bodied already have every limiting belief in the world, right? We are so confined to our own um, past and what we, and what we, and we, we are limited in what we can achieve. And I, I always try to say, it's like our, our, you know, <laughs> our perceived limitations are a product of our own imagination. Right. And I just think of it with, if somebody is disabled, they have a legitimate reason to look at the world and say, why me? Why, you know, here I am, I am, I am literally at a dis, I'm literally below everybody else in terms of where I could go. Yeah. At least, at least mentally thinking this and what, and what I'm imagining though, is also for an organization and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but what I'm imagining too, is for someone who I don't think it would be possible if you have a a disability to at least not acknowledge that for at least a moment or maybe even years and maybe it's for some of you probably never get over it, mm-hmm. but the ability and the opportunity to be able to join a company or, 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 an, or any organization and have an impact in that, a, a real impact and be passionate about it is something that is not only life-changing for the individual, but talk about an inspiration for the organization itself to be a part of that team and to see, you know, no one ever talks about this, but you know, X person can't, can't do X, Y, and Z, Yeah. you know, that inspiration. So I, I, I can, I can totally, that, that actually really warm. I'm so excited to, to have done this interview. I want to ask you just to, we, we've got a few minutes to close up. You've been super generous with your time here. Um, what can America, what can regular, I almost said regular Americans could do because 96% of our audience is American, but we've got some international. I don't want to leave out my Ireland people and my UK people, which are like 1% of the audience, but, but I, but I love you guys. What can people do? Um, just as somebody who's listening to this, how do, how can they support where you're, what you're doing? Maybe not even specifically, but also just Americans with disabilities. How, how do you, how, how can we go out and support um, this group of individuals and try to empower them? Um, and what I, what I really love about this too, is that in you launching your company, this is why I love where you went the route of, you know, it's personal preference, I guess, nonprofit or company wise, but through a company, you can really, I believe it's the best vehicle that you can drive to implement, to implement change in the world is through a, a, through a business that's actually turning a profit where you can actually really be able to drive those results. So I want to ask you, what can we all do better um, as a society, as an individuals uh, to, to empower those with uh, disabilities? I know you've talked a lot on it already in this, but I'm just curious what you what you would take, what you would take almost as a final thoughts. I have a couple more questions, but final thoughts for our, for our listeners here. Um, I would say one to not pre-qualify a person with a disability to do or or be someone or something, you know? Uh, don't have that perception, right? When you hear when you hear when you hear or see a person with a disability, don't make conclusions, right? That's one. Two, uh, now a lot of people, uh, like uh, such as myself, have people with disabilities in their homes, right? My grandparents, you know, they became, uh, you know, people with disability due to old age, right? So anywhere we have to go, now we have to take a wheelchair, we have to take walkers, you know, we have to take a special uh, accommodations for my grandparents to be able to be with us, right? Uh, like restaurants and stuff like that. And I, don't, I know everything is closed right now, but then, you know, in general. 
Um, so if you are one of these people and then you, and you have you know, people with disabilities in your family and you go into a store, you go into to hotels, you go to wherever and you see or you experience inaccessibility, meaning difficulties transferring a person with disability from one place to another or difficulties for a person with disability to carry on a task, right? Give that feedback to the business owner. They would love to hear it, you know? Give that feedback. Say, you know what? You can improve, you know, this uh, exercise here by implementing such and such, for example, right? And I talk, I also talk about this in the book. You said you have audience, some audience from Ireland. Uh, there's this um, person called um, Stephen, uh, Stephen Klosky, Stephen Klosky. Uh, he's Irish and he became um, paralyzed from neck down when he was, I think early twenties, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, now he does consulting for accessibility, how to be, make the world more accessible. Um, and he talks about how this uh, one hotel in Europe, uh, I forgot which country in Europe, but one hotel in Europe which is in my book also, um, they have a lot of elderly visitors. So elderly visitors come with canes and stuff like that, right? Uh, and then when they are at the counter, you know, and, uh, uh, and signing papers, you know, when they put, when they lean the cane uh, to the counter, you know, the cane will fall. Now they have to bend down to get it and they can't, right? So what they did, what this hotel did, went to the local Ikea and bought uh, small brackets that you can put underneath the um, the counter, right? So now when elderly people come to the counter, they can rest their cane on that bracket and it's not falling anymore. And it costs them what? Nothing, right? It, they, they spent probably 10 euros to get 100 of these brackets, right? Put it all over the place at the hotel. And, you know, now even more elderly people will be invited to come. You know, they would see one thing and it's like a small change, you know? There's, these are the changes that we're talking about, you know? Uh, we're not asking for changing our world upside down. It just, first of all, is our, our mindset, the way we think about things, right? Then it's our perception and then it's what we do. And if we can get all of these in line, and I'm not saying to have the world equipped for people with disabilities. No, the world should be equipped for everyone. And another point I want to make, usually when people with disabilities do something or complete a task, everybody is so excited. Oh my God, great job. And it'd be the stupidest task ever. You know, I'm like, why are you doing that? He's a fully capable person, right? He's like, like this person with disability can do the same stuff even more sometimes than maybe I can do, right? So don't, um, don't make it like, oh, they did a great thing when they do simple stuff. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not cool to, you know, to be, uh, how do you call it? To feel pity, right? If I'm using the right word, I don't know. English is my fourth language, so excuse me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, these are simple stuff that we can do, you know? Just treat everybody the same way. Don't have any expectations just by looking at someone.
you know, let them tell you or show you what their capabilities are, what values they bring, and the world will be a much better place, a more inclusive place. I know we're, we're just coming out of an election cycle of all the negativity. I, I am so stoked for the listeners who have come through this journey with us, because I think this was a very uplifting message. And I really, I really appreciate your time, Harud. How can people get a hold of you? How can they follow what you're doing? How do they get the book, the podcast? Plug it all, my friend. I really, I really appreciate your time again. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, the book is uh, called Mobility and Inclusion. It's on Amazon. They can get the paperback or the Kindle version. Uh, maybe uh, in three months' time, it's, it's going to be on Ingram uh, Spark as well. Um, the podcast is also called Mobility and Inclusion. And if you go to markarianrobotics.com, that's my website. Uh, it's a work in progress, but you can find all the podcasts there. You can go to YouTube on Markarian Robotics. You will find all the podcasts there. Um, I have a, you know, uh, I have val I have a tab called Value and Information that I do blogs that I put articles there. So you know, uh, stuff like this that I'm doing, and I I really don't want to forget Vince and Eileen and Mike, who are who've been my uh, mentors, advisors, and friends uh, throughout this journey. Well, promise us that you come back and share your success here as you as you dive into 2021. Absolutely, promise. Thanks so much for joining us, Arud. No, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Get After It podcast. Special thanks to our guest. And I want to thank you for taking the time to invest into yourself. Again, make sure if this resonated with you, share this episode with a friend. Leave us a review. It helps us tremendously. I hope you get after it today and every day. We'll see you here tomorrow.